What do cooking and acting have in common? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. everybody and welcome back to only stupid answers this is a show where we answer your questions about movies tv shows comic books and cooking that's right you're welcome with me as always is roxy stryer hey roxy hi dj how how you doing how are things a broken nail dj oh no i wasn't quite sure what you were showing me at first <laughs> it hurts yeah i'm sorry i would say um in terms of a horrific week for yeah uh human beings everywhere yeah. this isn't the biggest problem but you know something that's also relatable to yeah. the long-nailed queens at home painful uh, yeah yeah um adam and i were were talking before we went on air where, and i was saying i'm glad this is just an entertainment show i'm glad this is not like a new show i'm you know um yeah. Yeah. wait who's i mentioned adam who's adam oh my god we have a guest adam introduce yourself to the kids at home uh, hi, my name is Adam Gertler, longtime friend and compatriot of one Miss Roxy Stryer. So uh, happy to be here. I'm a man about town, fan of all the things you're talking about. Also uh, a cook and a chef. Uh, that's I think we're going to talk about some of those things. So um, I walk in yep. many worlds. Yep. Um, so, you have layers. You have layers. You, you, you house multitudes. I contain multitudes, yeah. yes. Yeah. When so. I asked Adam to come on the show, I sent him a big novel. This is what the show is. These mm -hmm. are the kind of questions. And he just wrote back, that's Friday the 13th. Spooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so yes. I said it's no. the scariest of all Fridays. Oh, Friday yeah. the 13th in October. Yep. It's like, it's the one. You'll be there? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That was, yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, one... Uh, sometimes when Roxy's reaching out to guests, she'll she'll send me what she texts, and I was like, I gotta steal. She does such a good job of saying, "Here's what the show is. Would you like <laughs> to come on?" It's like I need to steal this because I feel like I make it too complicated. Second thing, Mike Joyce in the chat says you broke a nail, but your hair looks phenomenal. Thank um, you, I appreciate that. I work very hard on it, ladies. My nails. It, uh, wait, it's. I shouldn't say, I was going to say ladies, it's, it's harder with the hair than with fellas. I think I'm projecting just me. My hair is very easy. <laughs> Can I tell you guys the truth about the nail for a second? Do you yes. want to know the tea or you yes. don't want to know the tea? Do it. Roxy, do it. I was on it. a second date yeah. last night. Yeah. And uh, we were playing um, Papa Shot at an arcade and I playing basketball, I broke the nail. Uh -huh. And then for the entirety of the date, I couldn't stop talking about it because Oops. I was so upset. And mm -hmm. finally, at the end of the date, he said, you've brought it up seven times. I've been keeping track and I am not going to accept you bringing it up an eighth time. And I was like, that is so valid. Yeah. Like, I couldn't shut the fuck up about my nail. About your broken nail. Oh, no. Oh no. Um, the other thing we brought up Friday the 13th and I felt like this is my tea. I don't know. I, uh, sometimes when I walk the dog, I pass a school and the intercom came on and the principal or teacher, whoever the ones running it is like, um, uh, Hey, you all know what day it is. And then proceeded to play the Halloween theme. And I was like, wrong slasher film. And then after playing, basically the whole thing comes back on it. They're, they're like, it's not Halloween. 
But you know, but, but you know, it's this day, accident awareness day. I'm like, wrong again, wrong. On, you're not doing the right. I don't know that it was. It was some sort of like keep an eye on your surroundings type day. But it, huh. it was it was one of those like, wow, just such a such an interesting energy going on here. Anyway, super strange. Adam, are you? I feel like you're working on a dissertation right now. <laughs> you're uh, you're no, a laser focus. We're, uh, I have to approve the latest uh, sausage from Doghouse. Um, what is it? These LTOs this year. Uh-huh. So every month we've been doing a different sausage, part of the absolute worst sausage series. Because I, I work with Doghouse and I'm the worst maker, the sausage maker. Yeah. So um, we had some issues with the testing. It was a very stupid thing to try to do to do like a new item for all of our like 50 stores across the country every month. There's yeah. a reason why like Taco Bell spends years R&Ding these things. Yeah. So this thing came in very late and they're like texting me like, how is this for a description of the sausage? And I'm like, well, maybe leave that out and say this because the marketing department is way behind and they're putting all this pressure on, but I'm like, I'm not at the factory when they're making the thing. And it's just, ooh, is that for man. November? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we, we, we usually do this sausage called the turducken, but this year we've taken the duck out of it because mm-hmm. while that is awesome, we felt like, you know, as we have more stores, it kind of may dissuade some people that are not used to eating ducks. So we just kind of made it a turkey and chicken sausage. Yeah. Uh, it also has cranberry, sweet potato, stuffing, rosemary, thyme, sage in the sausage, right? So we're trying wow. to like for these sausages, we're putting like the whole party in the casing um and then we come up with these builds where we put you know with this one we're putting like gravy on it and um uh oh what else did we do oh yeah i put like a cranberry aioli in there which was part of the thing like it needed a little bit more fat um so yeah no not a dissertation just um breaking breaking sausage news yeah yeah i love listen man this is welcome to only stupid answers where you go to get your sausage news. Um, before we get yeah, into you, that, was a little you, te- you know the sausages made here, y'all. <laughs> um, for those, uh, this that's a little tease of what we're going to be talking about today, which is cooking. But before we get into that, a uh, little business up top. Uh, as always, if you want to watch the show live, if you want to watch it ad free, if you want to watch Patreon exclusive shows like Spiderversity and Q and A, you can do that over at. Uh, patreon.com slash only stupid answers if you give us a five-star review on itunes uh, we'd appreciate it also every week on spotify we ask a question uh so be be sure to tune into that on this episode if you're listening on spotify and of course we got some entertainment news not uh, global international news just some uh nice easy entertainment news um first up uh, I thought this was interesting. I sent this to both of you. Deadline had an article that a bunch of producers have signed um, a petition to for the EMPTPTP to take out one of them P's. Um, so uh, more than 2,300 film and TV producers on Tuesday delivered a petition to the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, President Carol Lombardi, demanding the dropping of the P, the P being producers. 
uh, from the acronym of the organization. Quote, it is not surprising producers want out of being considered part of a, you know, you know the one, that that group is comprised of signatory studios and streamers, not only where producers are hobbled, not only were producers hobbled by the strikes as writers and actors, their lack of an effective guild leaves them in an unenviable position with the real members of the MPTPPP. Um, Da, da, da. Yeah, so in the and it kind of goes on to talk about how like uh, villainized, I'd say rightfully so. The AMPTPP uh, has been in the strikes, and a bunch of people that aren't part of that group are like, please, uh, no, thank you. Please change your name. I think the suggestion producers Billy Ray and Todd Garner on I think it's their podcast suggested it to cha- be retitled the Alliance of Motion Picture and television companies, or alternately, the AMPTS, and the S standing for studios or streamers. I support that just because it would be easier, too many Ps, in my opinion. It's, I, it has been, as Roxy's noted, it has been a struggle with me since the beginning of the strikes. Yes, that is the big problem with the strikes. That, this is the big one. I just, AMPTS, easier, that's just easier for DJ to put down. <laughs> Yeah, Does this mean I, that the producers just feel like that they weren't even part of the negotiation, like they that they kind of feel like caught in the middle. That's the feeling I'm getting. Like they were not the ones strong arming anybody. That's at least the implication that this article is uh, trying to put forward. I think there's a little bit of nebulous language around what constitutes a producer. I think this is more, you know, uh, I, I think they're. It seems like based on what I've been seeing, it is correct for them to point out that the APTPP represents studios as opposed to individual producers like somebody like Jason Blum or something like that. Um, and I I was a little unclear to me. They do mention the PGA, but I guess that's not really... They do not have the same union representation um, as somebody like the WGA or SAG. Um, and so I do think, however anybody feels about this, there is some validity to clearing up the language uh, cause it is a little unclear about, you know, when we're talking about the, it's less, it's more clear now it's, you know, Netflix, Apple, Amazon, them. So that's what the MPTP represents. Um, but I, I do see how like, and I also, with the backlash they've gotten, I also understand like, Hey, don't, if I were one of these producers, don't bring me into, I'm, I'm not one of these guys. Don't, don't bring me into this. <laughs> I think it's probably for a couple different things. Number one, if you are a producer and you are not making, uh, I don't know, $250 million a year. Yes. <laughs> you probably don't want to be in the same category as an Iger or a Zasloff or a Sarandos because you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fine. We need to pay the people more. We, the, okay, okay. Because, yeah. you know, that's okay. And then also, I think they're not really producing. They're like studioing. Yeah. Right? They're not. The It's like Iger is not really producing the movie. Mm-hmm. He's, Sarandos is not really like producing his Netflix shows. Yeah. There are producers doing that. They're yeah, but this, overloading this is producing it. Gets, it gets very nebulous, right? Because there's right. different kinds of producers. Like Financial. they are producing in the fact that it's their money. You know, <laughs> if, if I'm putting up all the money for something, it's my production. Yeah. I can do anything if that is negotiated right accepting that if the artists have negotiated final cut these saves right anything that is contractually negotiated but typically the producer produces but then you have 
actors who get status producer, right? Yeah. And then you have actual on the ground producers who are, you know, working with location people, working out um, uh, 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 budgetary deals with certain uh, towns to get dispensations to film in certain locations. Like it's very, very nebulous. It just seems like producers want to be kept out of like the bad guy um, sort of rap, right? Like they don't want to be included with the people that are preventing the industry from continuing. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that it's, like you said, it's a little nebulous. There's a bunch of different jobs and maybe they want that more clarified. Like they're, the titles, there's not that many different kinds of directors, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're a director, we know what you did on the project. Yeah, yeah. If you're a writer, we we know what you did on the project. If you're a producer, that could have been like fucking anything. Yeah. Right. And they want clarity. Right. To that, that point, yeah. Christopher Nolan is a producer on Oppenheimer too, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, no. are they, is he working at his own cross purpose? No. Mm -hmm. I just not. like you saying Oppenheimer too, as if there was <laughs> there's another Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, no, it did so well that they're letting him not only direct the sequel, but he's producing as he's well. Producing it. Yeah, exactly. He's he's done it. He's done yeah. the thing. Um, did they go to the sequel the way they left it off? Come on. Come on. Like, Fantastic. Yeah. It's going to yeah. cross over with Tenet. It's going to be great. Um, uh, what is the storyline? It sounds sad. <laughs> Um, uh, I think Oppenheimer meets Matthew McConaughey in a library in the past, which is also the future. I right. love it. I'm in. I'm in. And McConaughey's like, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, Oppie. Don't do it. Um, He's like, but I did it already. He's like, but you can. You can undo the past with love. Don't so, actually put this out, DJ, because Christopher Nolan is going to hear this mm -hmm. and then do that. And just take Nolan's our brilliant idea, idea that we've given him. <laughs> um, Billy Ray, that producer from earlier in the same article, mentions producers are people. The Alliance is an ill-fitting group of companies, and I've never felt that they were producers. Why are we giving them that identification? So we will see, but you know, listen, anybody trying to distance themselves from the AMPTPP, I agree. I understand the impulse. Um, I was, there's just, just a two P's. It's only two P's. I don't PTP, it, PTP, I don't know. AMT, AMPTS, that's good. That's a solid one. I, I support that one. Why? I, I have an easier time with AMPTP than AMPTS. Because yeah, you know when there's like a phone number you're trying to memorize, if there's two of the same numbers in it, it's easier than if they're all just, different. Something numbers. about P. I don't know uh, the PTP. I something about it's just too much for me. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't support it. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We don't have time to talk about it, but I did want to briefly mention, there was an article that was circulating from Variety earlier this week that people were circulating because it's like, none of the DC actors from Justice League are coming back. But I'd like to point out a bulk of that article is pulled from Amber Heard's therapy sessions. And that's really fucking gross. Like, that's really disgusting. <laughs> like, I, I don't want the notes from my therapy sessions becoming public record because fans of my ex hate me. Like, that. what the fuck? Anyway, we don't need to get into that. I did have my notes. Let's move on to something else. Over at The Hollywood Reporter, there was a big article this week about how Marvel is changing up the way it makes TV. The company, this is the, the article uh, says this, the company eschewed, the company being Marvel, eschewed the traditional TV making model. It didn't commission pilots, but instead, instead shot an entire $150 million plus seasons of TV on the fly. It didn't hire showrunners, but instead depended on film executives to run its series. And as Marvel does for its movies, it relied on post-production and reshoots to fix what wasn't working. Um, uh, one uh, insider familiar with the process says, TV is a writer-driven medium. Marvel is a Marvel-driven medium. Um, on the Oscar Isaac star Moon Knight, show creator and writer Jeremy Slater quit, and director Mohamed Diab took the reins. Jessica Gao developed and wrote She-Hulk, attorney of law, but was sidelined once director Kat Koro came on board. Production was challenging with COVID hitting cast and crew, and Gao was brought back to oversee post-production, um, which is a typical showrunner duty, but it's the rare Marvel head writer who had such oversight. Um, details are murky, but, oh, and this is talking about Secret Invasion. In summer 2022, debilitated, uh, the production was uh, debilitated as factions became entrenched and leaders vied for supremacy during Secret Invasion's pre-production in London. Quote, it was weeks of people not getting along and it erupted, uh, says an insider. The company dispatched Jonathan Schwartz, a senior executive, a member of Marvel's creative steering committee known as the Parliament to get Secret Invasion back on track when it was falling behind schedule and on the verge of losing some actors because of the commitments. So this was all about like, hey, you know, we're changing things over on Marvel. But it sounds like, I just feel like this is a great illustration of why WJ went on strike. That's, I feel like this is, this is uh, uh, a very good case study of that. And the actors as well. Yes. Yes. As things seem to shift. Um, I I don't really understand how a company could think that shooting entire seasons with $150 million on the fly yeah. is the best, like, on the fly. Mm -hmm. What? Um, it's a whole show. You yeah. just fly my senior pants off. But in all fairness to them, it's low-key kind of working. And that's L-O-W-K-E-Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of working. Yeah. Uh, 
people dig their stuff and they are performing well. And I'm not saying that everything's perfect, but for the most part, I feel like their stands are stands still. So who the F am I to be like, no, that's the wrong choice. It doesn't sound like it would be a good idea to me, but I guess. What, what were you going to say, Adam? Um, well, I have so much to say about this, so you're going to have to cut me off. Okay. Um, as Roxy knows, I'm a big comic book guy, have been since the 80s, and I love Marvel, but like this all kind of reflects my fandom of Marvel, which is to say that I was a huge Marvel fan and collector for 10 or 12 years, where in which I felt I had a complete story going back to pretty much the 70s to the present, and then at some point, it starts to repeat itself, it starts to collapse under its own weight, and it has to start again, and sometimes for a new audience. The promise of TV shows was too good to be true. Yeah. And I believed it when it was told to us. I'm like, you mean you're going to give us more and it's going to be as good? I was all for that. It wasn't. I don't know why. I don't know if it was Chapek or Iger or Feige or why, but it wasn't. And it started to collapse. And and for most people, all, all respect you due to you, Roxy, um, it hasn't been as good. You know, like it just hasn't. And and, and, and um, you know, the the, the, the Ant, last Ant-Man movie was such a dog pile. I, I listened to, on another podcast, someone was saying, like, internally, Marvel really thought they had a, a great one. That last Ant-Man movie would suggest that maybe even internally, they don't know when they're effing up anymore. So that's all to say that if they're pressing pause, if they're... I'm always a positive person. You know there's that about me, Roxy. Whenever anything is, I'm always like, okay, what's the positive outcome going to be, right? Yeah. I'm never going to be the person that's standing on the precipice of a new endeavor and saying, well, it's going to suck. I'm all ready for like, let's make it awesome. And then if it sucks, we could talk about that later. So all the things that they're doing now, I think a lot of it is not working. I think maybe some of it is the Chapek Iger stuff. A lot of it is the right stuff. I think everything needs to slow down. These people are smarter than me. They got to know when they're making crap. Yeah. I can't believe that like they're waiting for me to watch it and be like, no, you missed it. Otherwise, they should hire me. <laughs> I, I would think- say I got that pretty accurate. My summary was um, Adam thinks that what they're currently doing is trash. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and, and for those that are curious what we're talking about, because I probably edited this out, uh, there was a slight technical difficulty where we lost Adam okay. for a second, and then Roxy wow. predicted what he said, and I can concur. She was pretty close. She was pretty close. <laughs> she knows know- me. We, we've done enough podcasts together that we could be AI of each other, I yes. think. For some, yeah. I, I, can I think also, I don't disagree with Adam. Um, what they're doing right now isn't for me. Yeah. I was just saying in general, I don't know that that's hurting their bottom line right now. I, Maybe it is, but I don't know that. I can't sit here and say, Iger, that was the wrong call or Chapek or whoever when they it started to be like this. Um, I, I can't sit there and say that's an idiotic way to do it because I don't know. Maybe that's the thing that's making them the most money and that's what they effing care about because that's their, the studio heads. Yeah. So I, it's not working for me, but in general, is it working for them? I think maybe. I, I think um, I might have buried the lead a little bit because they're feeling the heat a little bit in that the, the crux of this article is they're like eight episodes into the new Daredevil show and they're starting from scratch. Um, they fired Ooh. the showrunners. Um, they fired the directors. 
um, and they're having to like retool the entire show because it's not working. And I think as somebody like everybody here that's been covering and watching these movies for a while, I feel like if I were to try and diagnose it, I feel like like a lot of big studio IPs, they're kind of a victim of their, a victim of their own success in that. A lot of Iron Man you can feel was kind of improvised and figured out in post. And that's kind of the way John Favreau makes movies. And Iron Man made them a lot of money. And so that's how they basically started making their projects ever since. Right. Uh, it's also why the third act of Iron Man doesn't work. Um, uh, as much as I enjoy that movie, and I, and I do. Um, I agree. And, and I think that system has worked for them very well when it's one, two, three movies a year. Now, and it has a very clear, because uh, I was talking about this uh, with Sal, who I do another show with. Um, you know, they had a very clear through line that kept people allowed. It was easier for audiences to paper over the obvious flaws of those movies because in phase one, we're getting the Avengers together. In phases two and three, we're getting the whole gang together to fight Thanos. And now, post that, we've introduced a lot more complex ideas in the multiverse and also TV shows. And so they just tried to keep doing the same thing they're doing, which is like, we'll fucking figure it out. And it's like, yeah, but now it's trickier. Now the level of difficulties trickier. TV is not movies and the multiverse isn't the infinity. You know what I mean? Like a complex, both uh, production wise and narratively, they're complex ideas that you can't just kind of wing it um, without potentially burning a lot of goodwill, which it feels like if not with audiences to Roxy's point, if they're not burning goodwill with audiences, I would imagine if you're letting people go halfway through production and actors have to come back for 50 million reshoots and stuff like that, you might be good burning goodwill with the people you need to make your product to the point that they feel the need to strike. <laughs> I think ultimately what makes Marvel so great when it's great. And this is true of the comics and this is, what's true of the films because when they got that essence of the comics to me it was like oh my god this feels like that thing of the comics and that is just the story the story that makes you go oh my god wow that's going you know that you get from great storytelling and a lot of this stuff it's just they've lost it like i don't need it all to be super interconnected but the individual stories have to be great things have to feel important we're lost in the miasma of the multiverse to which makes everything feel less important. There's been things with Marvel that were not their fault, like Chadwick Boseman and the Jonathan Major stuff. Like it's, it's tough to be King, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. and they are really experiencing that right now. So if they're able to slow down the train and just make people care again, I think it's as simple as that. I think people will forgive lackluster effects for great story They'll forgive recasting for great story. That's all that matters. But like, there have been a lot where a lot of the films right now, you're like, you're watching for those post-credit scenes and they're the most interesting thing. And they should be, be like just a little extra taste. The, the stories themselves need to be done better. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. So I'm really hoping that they're recognizing that within and, and, and they will. And they're going to have more competition now from the new DC and Roxy and I are going to have to start our old podcast again mm -hmm. because it's going to be a new DC. <laughs> but, um, yeah. 20, coming 2025, starting with Superman Legacy. Uh, All I want you... is that. Let's go. Yeah. DC Movie News, the sequel, the reboot. What did you, I, the biggest thing here, too, is to me, 
I think Daredevil is probably the best Marvel show that has ever existed to me. I know that could be a little controversial. Original Incredible Hulk is up there. I think WandaVision has got great stuff. I really enjoy a lot of Loki stuff too. But Daredevil, to me, as a fan of like martial arts, the combat is more satisfying than even a lot of the films. The acting was great. New York City was great. Um, so if they were to put up a show that wasn't as good as that, after now reclaiming the MCU and all that drama, particularly with the Daredevil character, they'd have a problem. So they must have had a really big problem to recognize that and scrap the whole thing and not even try to fix it. I don't know. What, what, what did you guys think of like those original Netflix shows and, 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 and where was your expectation of what they were going to do with the MCU versions of them? Well, I think um, I, I enjoy those Netflix shows. I think they had they had issues from a different master, which is the Netflix of it all. Um, certain dictates of, of how Netflix expects their productions to work that I think might not have benefited uh, you know, they were serving two masters. So it's like, we can't do too much in the MCU stuff. Cause we're not tech technically part of it. Like we're kind of part of it. And then we have to do, but you have to fill this 13 episode order and it has to be structured this way. Cause Netflix. Um, but I think you're right in that there is a massive expectation from that fan base. Um, so in a way this daredevil show is, is again, serving two masters. I, w I wanted to ask Roxy, because a lot of the way this is framed, specifically in the Daredevil stuff, is, okay, we're going back to the way TV was done, baby, with showrunners and scripts ahead of time and all that stuff. And they're making it seem like they came to, like, a come, they had a come-to-Jesus moment. And I was, I was like, is that, th is that what happened? Or is it we have a new deal with the WGA and we can't do our bullshit anymore? What do, what do you think it is, Roxy? Well, what do you mean, is it one or the other? What, what do you mean? Which the, the, they, they, they're saying they're going away from this like flying by the seat of our pants and doing more traditional TV with writers' rooms and showrunners and, and multiple seasons and stuff like that. Right, but both, right? Yeah. Like I think it's that their back's against the wall and they're being told – you're saying is it like that they have to or that they want to essentially? I think – I was wondering if it's one of those like we have to change what we're doing because the, there's no WGA rules, but we're going to frame it as if it's our choice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. probably a little bit of a a little bit of b right that makes sense yeah i mean everybody wants to end up looking like the good guy but also what what was the plan what are you going to do like mm -hmm. uh, obviously we're going to talk more about the strike situation but i think that people are looking really uh people as in fans are really starting to catch on to the fact that these people are trash in certain ways. And like, yeah. so I think that they're, it's a little bit of a PR move. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, this week, yeah. uh, negotiations with SAG and the MPTPT. Um, yes, DJ. Broke. Did I get it right? Damn it. Um, no, um, they broke down. Um, uh, how long? How long is this going to go? <laughs> how long? How long? And also, what are they? Th it, it's like uh, the way the way it came across to me is the is the studios were like, "Listen, they're being unreasonable. We're going to walk away and do what? You're going to have to come back eventually. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what? Walk away to what? <laughs> I again, I think it's all about how they're looking right now. Like, I uh, we're hearing this is a scare tactic that they came back to the table with an agreement that was worse than what they had originally pitched, which yeah. is like unfathomable. And then when, when uh, they 
it was pitched about the streaming numbers being what allows people to get their bonuses that no. they were like, absolutely not under zero circumstances that would cause us to spend 800 million more dollars a year. And it's like, Oh, so is there that many people watching? Like, mm -hmm. are you guys saying that that's not something you could do because there's so many effing people watching these shows that you're unwilling to hit that marker. Like that's why you guys don't want the numbers to be, shown or told just for so many reasons the them walking away i think that that's a really really upsetting moment but also a moment for audiences around the world to look at them being like this is ridiculous and not fair treatment and the Listen, AI if, if we tell people how many people are watching i'm going to personally stop being able to to uh, uh launder hundreds of millions of dollars into my cayman account People will know. It'll be public. I have to admit it on my, my RS sheets. And it works on both ends, too. They also don't want people to know how many people aren't watching because yeah. there's been such an arms race with creating so much production that they have spent way more than $800 million, probably certainly collectively, on you know crappy content that people have not gravitated to. Right. Like just enormous. And that's all going to go away. I think a oh, big true. result of, of, of these strikes is just, you know, people, actors, writers are going to get better contracts, but less of them are going to be reaping those benefits because there's yeah. this production bonanza. I think there was this production bonanza and people were like, well, we're not getting anything for all this production. Well, then now there's just going to be a lot less production, yeah. you know, and that's that's just but it was it was an arms race. And I think everybody thought that the streaming thing was going to be this 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 answer, and now it's just not working. The model is not working, and you see why advertising works as a model because it's perpetual income from huge companies with a lot of money, right? Yeah. So we pulled the thing apart, and now we're kind of putting it back together. And I think we're eventually going to get commercial television with some more boobs and swear words, which you know is mm -hmm. fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it is. It is. It is weird that. Um, during the during this time i've seen uh more and more people being like you know remember the good old days of like cable like like cable like paying for something that still had commercials and it's like what are you talking about <laughs> what do you what world do you live in like that's no i like i listen i like the streaming services and all that stuff i just think people should get paid fairly and adam to your point i mean you're right because rox and i've talked about this before it's not like the exec Bob Iger getting less money is not on the table. It's not like, hey, we can keep making the productions we're making. It just requires our CEOs to not get hundreds of millions of dollars. That's not going to be, I, that would probably be what's best for the company. That's not what's going to happen. That's not how things work. Because um, where would the yacht party be every year, DJ? How would we do it? It's impossible. There's no other way. It's not like there's other studios that we just mentioned when we were talking about stuff like A24 or Neon or these other producers, whatever. It's not like it works other ways, other places. We can't do it differently. How long are you guys thinking this is going to be now? Because That's I know what that I was going to ask you, Roxy. I don't know. <laughs> my my grandma yesterday was talking to me and she was like, is the SAG thing done yet? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, it's never. Like, but the writers are back now. And I was <laughs> like, wow. Yes. I, that is what it boils down to. Grammy, 
the SAG thing should be done because mm-hmm. that should be. She was like, but it was already weeks ago. I'm like, yeah, that is also accurate, Graham. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like I, every, all the people in my life who don't know anything about the industry all thought one, then the other back to back, boom, boom, right. bang, we're done. We, we all assumed it was a wrap. Yeah. I think, I mean, and, 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 and false to that. Now we're talking about what, what, what's going into production and this and that. And meanwhile, it's like, well, ain't nothing really happening with Daredevil right now, except uh, Charlie Cox is sitting there on the sidelines and, uh, you know, waiting yeah. uh, to get to costume. It, it's um, fun. What were we going to say? It's, no, no, no. I was just going to say, I, I, it, it's, it's kind of off the point, but it was like to that, to that point about uh, Daredevil specifically, like what I had heard was that like, you know, they didn't have him getting into costume until like four episodes. And it was like, well, no. Again, it doesn't matter if it's good, right? Yeah. Like that could work if it's good. Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, it's just it just goes back to like I think they have to focus on the quality of the content, and there's going to be less of it. And you know, to your point, DJ, about is this a result of the the WGA strike settlement or in wanting to do better? I, I agree with Roxy. It has to be both because Iger had already spoke about this before the strike, yeah. right? He was public about slowing down um, the amount of content. So I think when, when he's talking about slowing down and focusing on quality, I do think that points to, you know, at least within Marvel, recognizing the 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 the, the, the lack of quality, right? Like yeah. the, the the slowing down, right after Endgame, sort of. Yeah, kind of absolutely. Also, it's a good look. Mm-hmm. So um, exactly. And to Roxy's point about when all this will end. I think the answer to that question is what is the lead time of people writing before it goes up on screen? Like how many episodes do we need to have in the can of Abbott elementary before we need those actors back? And that's when, that's when the strike strike will end. Because I do think the actors are in a better position than writers because theoretically you can, if something's already written, you can film it with the actors. If you don't have the actors, you're dead on a You just, you can't really do anything. I, I think that uh, we the season is going to be the biggest thing here too, though, DJ. Not just how many, you know, say it takes the writers a month for yeah. them to be like fully back in the swing, whatever. We're at November. Mm-hmm. We're at Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're, then we're at Christmas. I mean, I think there's just no way we're not looking at 2024 for yeah. things to actually be back it, moving and grooving. That's just... I don't see any world mm-hmm. in which things are basically have a month to get it done or it's not going to get done. I'd like to think before Thanksgiving, I'm going to go out and just be optimistic and say before Thanksgiving with a deal, you know maybe, that, but the, yes, possibly with a deal, but then what are productions going to start back in the second week of December for one week? I listen, I'm going to side with Adam because it personally benefits me for them to get the deal, the deal done before the end of the year. So I think it will be, I think the deal will be done. I just don't think that Hollywood, I don't think productions are going to start until 2024 because they're not going to come back for a week before Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Hopefully you'll have a deal in your stockings to go into 2024. Roxy, do you you don't foresee like a thing where like the unions are like, hey, we're skipping the holidays, Nick, this year. Everybody needs to get back to work. Everybody understands. Rah, rah, rah. Let's work through Christmas. (laughs) I really don't. But (laughs) I mean, 
I would. I'd be like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. me too, because a paycheck. You need to finish yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, already the industry is like completely dead for the last two weeks of the year. Yeah. Like there's no work being done in the last well, full two weeks. So. The one thing I will say, because uh, 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 you're absolutely right, Roxy, the one thing that could matter is we've got some tent poles coming out during the holiday season that they might want their actors Perhaps. doing some promotion on. Yeah, for sure that. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that that will be true. Yeah, but but you're right. I don't. I think I think um, production is is probably not gotten going to be start. Hopefully, deal before the end of the year. Production. Uh, I I think Roxy might be right about that one. Listen, if you're at home, you're just getting home from picketing, and you're like. Oh man, how can I make myself a good meal and relax? <laughs> That's right, boys and girls. We're talking about cooking. Adam, we specifically when I brought this topic up to Roxy, she specifically mentioned you. Why why is that? Why why what for those the kids that don't know, what is your relationship with cooking? Well, I've been cooking for a long time um yeah so cooking, uh, food has been a, a part of my life since i was a, a chubby little kid reading comic books and not getting any exercise mm -hmm. uh, i was also a very curious child so at a certain point i just was very curious about how how to make food and um you know when i started having jobs when i was like 15 16 i always wanted to work in food uh be it in summer camp or dunkin donuts or in college as a short order cook um, when I started to have parties and socialize in my later teens and 20s, I always had food at my parties. And I realized the difference between my parties and other people's parties was that when people ate, they didn't get um, they didn't put their faces through as many windows. There wasn't as much screaming and crying. You know, food is a great base. And I just, you know, love to eat. Um, I studied acting, you know, in, in, in college and, and then as time went on and there was actually an outlet for theater and food to kind of fuse through things like Food Network, which was also something I discovered, um, I think as a freshman in college in 1995, I discovered like Emerald mm -hmm. and that, that kind of put me on to like New Orleans food and this whole other world of cooking in Louisiana. And then I started going to Louisiana. And I discovered barbecue, like Franklin barbecue, actually in Syracuse of all places. Yeah. And it just became like a thing that I wanted to pursue always for my life. I didn't think it would be my career. It had become my career. Um, while I've continued to work in, in television and, and, and hosting, most of that has been with food, right? Yeah. So my two things have kind of been together. I've been working with Doghouse doing sausages, but mo a lot of my job with Doghouse is traveling around the country and doing television or, 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 you know, doing, being like their sort of brand ambassador, you know, yeah. because, you know, I think people can hear when I talk about food, the passion that's in my voice, it's not bullshit. It's, it's, it's real. And, and I love it. And I could always talk about food and it brings everybody together and it, you know, makes us curious from people's cultures it's a great way to travel the world through the prism of food. Um, and it's something that you can never know it all about. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just still always going to be more you don't know than you do. And um, I just think that is a, it's, a, it's an awesome hobby and an undertaking. And I'd rather be in the kitchen than on the golf course. Yeah. What were you going to say, Roxy? 
I think also to Adam's point about like why he has become more of a brand ambassador and, and you can hear the passion in his voice. You're also extremely non, not pretentious about food, which I think is very helpful to people because it is very intimidating talking to chefs a lot of the time. And like Adam came on the world girls and we did an episode deep frying a turkey um, and making food that when I was even having him come on, I was like, am I going to even be able to do the, the chef things like, and he was like, yeah, whatever. I was like, the kitchen is tiny. I don't have good like pots or pans. He's like, oh, whatever. That doesn't fucking matter at all. Like it's, it feels more about like, you can, you can do it too which is a much easier way to get into it than sometimes if you're watching some of these cooking shows or whatever, where you're just like, I don't know what those words mean that mm -hmm. you guys are using. I don't know how to uh, blanch shit or whatever. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> I need yeah. to be like that. I, I think that's just when you throw something in water or something, but whatever, I don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got a good way about you with that. And I think that that's also why you've done well in the TV space when it comes to food. Anyway, yeah, you know, I, there's there's a you could jump down a YouTube rabbit hole about just about anything or a TikTok rabbit hole. Um, and I, I do that, too. You know, I'm very much into baking bread now and making pizza. I just redid my outdoor kitchen and I'm, I'm I will not stop until I have pizza that is as good as where I grew up in Long Island, mm -hmm. you know, and that leads back to these rabbit holes. And you're never following one person's recipe, but you're kind of taking a technique and it's a puzzle. And just because the fact that there's so much video and information out there, very rarely does one person have all the answers you're looking for. Yeah. And it's become fun to become a detective. And every time I work on a recipe, I'm looking at 10 existing things, kind of cobbling together where I'm going to start based on those. And then I start there. And then the adventure begins. And as long as you're kind of like taking notes, which I'm terrible at, but I've had to get better at, as long as you're recording what you're doing, it will evolve. And yeah. you'll you'll be able to get there. You know, I will come up with this ultimate pizza dough, and it's already gotten really good because that is just so satisfying to be able to do that for yourself. It's always going to be easier to order a pizza. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always going to be easier. But man, when like you know, right now I have like two little kids at home, and I'll make a batch of pizza dough, and I'll have them in my freezer, and I can be like, "Are we going to do pizza tonight?" I'll just take them out of the freezer a couple of hours before. And I know that like my daughter, who's like two right now, like she's going to be making pizzas soon. Yeah. She was cracking eggs with me right before I got on the phone with you and she sucks at it, but she's <laughs> going to get so much better. You know, she's like, I do it. I do it. And I'm like, trying to hold my hands over the thing to control how she cracks it. And she just goes smash. Yeah. And it's everywhere. But I'm like, you're doing it. And you're like, not even two. She's two next week. So like, I wasn't doing that at that age. So it's just, um, you know, it's just a never ending source of joy, whether it's the eating, but also the making so much more than making and the learning and the talking and all that, you know, it is kind of boring to just be able to buy and have everything, you know, like, that is unsatisfying. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because listening to you talk, it, it brings up something uh, I think that, that I find fascinating, which is I think a lot of people um, treat food as just like a th like a thing you like i'm gonna go grab something or whatever like get through it and I, and i and i think what you're touching on is this idea of um food and not just food but cooking as like a communal act like it's something we all have to do um we all have to eat 
Um, and so in, on some base level connects us. And I think in, in like, when you're talking about theater, that's another thing, or like, you know, when you're in the arts program or whatever, performing, that's another thing. The entertainment we consume also binds us. Uh, I find the parallels there interesting. Yeah. It's, I've always seen cooking as a performance. You know, if you're cooking in a restaurant or somewhere, you're putting yourself out there to be received by an audience on a plate. And when those plates get emptied, it's like applause, right? And mm-hmm. when they don't, you can kind of tell. It's pretty It's pretty honest, right? Yeah. Um, so that is certainly an aspect of it. Um, I also, you know, I don't waste a single meal. Um, whatever it is, like, I just don't waste a meal. And somehow, you know, we keep getting through the days without wasting a meal. And, and that just means that everything is chosen, right? Yeah. It just means, you know, we, we with my family, we try to have a really nice breakfast every day. Um, you know, the kids will get like some kind of lunch or something. I'm not huge on lunch all the time. I'm more of a big breakfast, start your day and not let mm-hmm. a big lunch kind of slow you down. But then like dinner, you know, sometimes it's got to be fast and simple. Sometimes it's more thought out, but it is definitely something that we need to always do. And if I'm just ordering food and it comes in, like my wife gives me crap, like I won't, um, I'll have to resuscitate it, mm-hmm. right? Like if we get yucca fries like they've got to be in the air fryer coming back to fried crispiness if we do order pizza instead of making pizza my oven has got to be on 45 minutes ahead of time because there's no way i'm eating that pizza out of the box it's not happening it's got to get resuscitated something has to be done to it yeah i respect that I, i i respect that and i appreciate it um i i think roxy what's what's your relationship with cooking um well Adam saw me do it. I'm, I would say that, okay. <laughs> I cook I mean, a lot, actually. It. Yeah, Adam's seen me be a cook person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually cook a lot because, first of all, I am single and alone. So I'm not, I, I actually like going out to eat by myself, but I'm not doing that every meal, right? Yeah. So, I, especially during the pandemic, um, I got very creative. Uh, when Adam said he doesn't waste any meal, what I thought he was referencing, and, and maybe this is part of it, but same with me, like uh, in terms of I will throw random shit together if it's the last of the things. And if you are single or you are by yourself cooking, you end up having some like weird leftover things sometimes because you just can't eat all of the things that you buy at the grocery store. So like a lot of stir fries at the end of the the week oh, towards yeah. – that kind of thing, or like a lot of like really fully loaded pasta sauces or salads that like include things that you bought for something completely different. Uh, I cooked a lot with my mom growing up. She had a lot of Italian family, even though we are Jewish, everybody who married in was Italian. So we have a lot of Italian, like like the pasta, bruschetta, a lot of um, seafood, shrimp, um, steaks. I love to cook. So yeah, I definitely cook maybe like six, seven meals a week minimum, um, every day for sure. And I really do like it and I'm getting pretty good at the things I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And then the other things, not as much like, uh, you know, there are things that scare me. I just am getting an air fryer for the first time. I'm excited to be able to dabble in a whole new world of that, um, which will be cool. But like, yeah, in terms of like 
Asian foods, right? There's a lot of things I want to try to learn that just scare the crap out of me where I'm like, oh, am I ever going to be able to do that as well as just ordering Chinese food? Like, Mm -hmm. am I ever going to be able to make Chinese food that tastes even close to as well as Genghis Cohen tastes? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Probably not. But like, that is what Adam's talking about, the fun of it and attempting. So that's my relationship with cooking. DJ, I know that you, uh, you do a breakfast too, like Adam. Yeah, I yeah I cook I cook some pretty basic things. Although I listening to Adam, I I I I think I'm able to starting able to pinpoint one of my fatal flaws when it comes to cooking is I don't have a lot of patience with myself. So that idea of experimenting and learning uh, requires making mistakes, and I don't like that part of the. I want to get it right. I want to get. I want that first pancake to be perfect. Um, and so I, I think that has limited me to doing pretty basic. Like we do, we do the the homemade uh, uh, pizza. Although I don't make my own dough, I'm not at that level yet. Um, you know, I'll make a, a mean quesadilla, uh, breakfast burrito, stuff like that. But it's pretty basic uh comparatively pretty pretty basic stuff um yeah you, you have to have that patience man yeah, you have to just, it's I'm all about a, i'm just not a patient person in general it's something i should work <laughs> on it's something i need to work on and maybe cooking is a good way to do that a lot of this is the the cooking aspect of it but adam i am curious about the tv aspect of it because um, some of my friends are chefs or beginner chefs, especially during the pandemic. I think we saw a lot of people were like, okay, I can do this. But the how to get on something like Next Food Network Star or like how to be uh, a TV chef, how does one even go about starting to do that? Do you get found? Do you apply? Like what? Yeah, I think it's very different now because so many people are doing it on TikTok. I even have mm. a new series on TikTok called My Dinners with Adam. It's where- awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, but that's just, you know, because my friend is very much in that world and I'm still doing the same thing, but he knows how to edit and make something that is appealing for that world. Um, but for me at the time, when I got on Next Food Network Star, we had had a restaurant in Philadelphia called The Smoke Joint, a barbecue experience, and it had just closed. You know, we made all the colossal mistakes one could make. And, you know, I had my theater background and they had an open call of interviews in Philly. And a lot of that was, I think me being in Philadelphia where where not every other person is an actor, right? Talking about food made it easier for me to kind of make the finals and then kind of just be seen. And then I just got very lucky because I was not a very good cook when I was on that show. My experience was very limited to barbecue I was not very good at doing things quickly. Um, I was very disorganized. It was all my personality that got me through. And I, I somehow made it all the way through that show until the point where like, I didn't win that show, but they still gave me my own traveling shows on Food Network where I was not cooking, but I was going around being curious and talking about food, which you know are the best jobs one can have. Mm-hmm. I think now, I think there's still probably a similar application process, but you get the chance to do it on YouTube, on TikTok for nothing. So people are, I would say the competition is much higher now because people are able to try it. I can still say that most of the people I see doing it on YouTube, you know, pretty much suck. Like people don't know how to talk and cook or Mm -hmm. they don't know how to make something, you know, visual or appealing. It can be challenging, right? To, To be working and cooking at the same time. 
um, and having an awareness of how something should look. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm obviously much more sensitive to like production value, mm-hmm. um, having worked on a lot of actual shows. Yeah, absolutely. The TikTok show you referenced, just so people know, um, my dinners with Adam, I'm like completely obsessed with it. It's such a good little premise, uh, where essentially his friend will give him two surprise ingredients to put in a staple, something like chicken liver and raspberries or like, uh, licorice and stuff. And it's bizarre. And watching right, like we already decide what we're going to make. Yeah. Like, I, he comes in, I know I'm making pizza or I know I'm making pad thai. And he's going to give me two ingredients that have nothing to do with that dish. Mm-hmm. And it sucks sometimes because I'm like, I was really looking forward to making this thing. But other times it gets me out of my head and I become a better chef than I ever would have been because I'm not that risky of a chef. I'm not that creative or out of the box of a chef. Yeah. So it forces me to do something. And the other advantage is nobody can criticize me for appropriating a recipe or misappropriating a family tradition because it is always going to be based on a thing and it's never going to be that exact thing, right? So, you know, you might say uh, my al pastor is not like your abuela's, but I'm like, yeah, she also didn't have to make it with Hershey's Kisses, right? Mm -hmm. So you start with a foundation and, 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 you know, we, we try to get something as delicious as possible. Most of the time we've done it. It's, it's worked out. Um, one of the ones that's coming up that he hasn't posted yet. Cause Alex has fallen very behind in his editing. Um, it, it was just a disaster. I'm making a dish pizza. And one of the ingredients was green jello, lime jello. Jeez. Um, and I tried to make Could a you thing use the like, pack or you had to make it you it hacked to actually be the jello. Could it be before it was jello? You know what I mean? I mean, I I think I could interpret however I wanted. So yeah. I could have used it in, in the dough and made a green dough. I I said if it's jello, I need it to be jello. So I made like a mold and I poured the green jello into a thin pan and I put like chopped pepperoni and chilies and all those things. And my idea was to make like almost like a like a, an Asian gelatiny kind of like meat product that you would put on top of the pizza. And, and lime is a good flavor that, that could work, but it was like the flavor of that artificial lime jello just mm. sang through everything. And it was like, there's a good pizza under here that is topped with some bullshit jello stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that, that is us also just trying to capture an audience in an extremely crowded field and needing some kind, of or some kind of hook. Uh, yeah. You guys are growing quickly on there. It's well, really cool to see. And I just brought it up in the thing. Mike Joyce uh, just checked it out and followed. Oh, yeah. And there will be links in the description. But I did want to ask you that because as somebody that's be, that's been um, working to be a filmmaker and stuff like that, you know, you get a lot of people like Kevin Smith. It's like, it's easier than ever. Just pick up a camera. Anybody can make a movie. And it's like, yeah, I get you. I hear you. But the flip side of that is, everybody can just pick up a camera and make a movie. You know what I mean? Now I'm not just competing with five guys. I'm competing with like 5 million guys. Um, do you right. feel the same exactly. thing with the cooking space with like TikTok where it's like, in some ways it's more accessible in some ways it's actually less accessible. It's harder. It's just like with podcasts. There's a million yeah. podcasts out there and like how many people are, how many of them are actually getting listened to? Yeah. Right. It's, it's uh, but the, the cream will rise, you know, it, it just, it, it takes time and it takes patience. It's just like we were saying with cooking. It's like, you know, I'm not good at a thing is, is a pretty crappy answer to I'm not there yet, right? Like mm-hmm. what you're talking about is like, you don't have the patience. To, but it's like, 
yeah, if you were great at making a pizza dough your first time out, then is pizza dough even worth making, right? Mm-hmm. If it's that easy, then what's the point, Yeah. right? You kind of want to get lost in it, right? You kind of want to be like, ah, oh, I see that. Oh, my God, I can do, you know, and like that, that you have to enjoy that part of the process, right? Yeah. You have to enjoy being bad for a little while because then you really have ownership of something that has value. What yeah. value would it have if anybody could turn it on and open it up and it's just as good? It's not as exciting, right? Yeah. If you get good at something like making a bread or a dough, it's like you are now part of a of a of a of a, of a, of a lineage of, of like bread makers. <laughs> you know, it's like you're you're part of something bigger than you are, and you're connected to the past in a really cool way. And 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 you know, you can't teach someone for that to be interesting to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You can teach someone the steps of cooking, yeah. but to have an interest of in it to push through and want to be bad to get to the good, that that's probably either there or it isn't. I would think, you know, just yeah. like anything. I mean, there, I'm, I'm so ignorant of like the car I drive around in every day. The mm-hmm. thing that hold my family's lives in its hands, and I'm so ignorant of this thing. I should know more about that than I do about potato flakes, you know. But that's where my interests lie. Yeah, absolutely. For people who are intimidated though, Adam, like what is the best first dish to start with that you feel like people could easily kind of nail that you don't, they don't need to know that much about? Because I do think like pizza dough, even for me, dough, it's like, it is time consuming and the refrigeration process and rising. Like what is something where you, when people are brand new to cooking, but they're like, you know, it's like when people teach people on a guitar, a first mm-hmm. song to play just yeah. to get them into it, like so that they can get it and then kind of go from there. Is there something weird? Great, uh, a lot of people say like eggs are a great judge of a cook, right? Because they're so simple and so quick, right? And, yeah. and that people watch the bear, that omelet was a huge part of the episode. And that omelet was kind of based on um, uh, Ludo Lefebvre's omelet uh, at one of his restaurants in L.A., um, so I think learning how to make a great omelet is a great place to start, like watching some videos about how to, how to scramble an egg properly, how to not overcook it, how to fold it out and stuff it, because I think it's something that we all eat and it's very practical. I think that is a great place to start. Um, you know, I think pasta, I've been having a lot of fun with pasta lately. People are aware of like the use of pasta water and you could use dried pasta and canned tomatoes, but just the idea of like using some of the starchy water in the pasta uh, as you add it to that dish and a dollop of butter, bringing that together, you'll find yourself like in an elevated place as, as opposed to just like dumping the pasta sauce on the pasta and mixing them together, right? Yeah. This whole idea of using the starchy pasta water to emulsify it, get closer to that thing that like you get at a restaurant. Yeah. So I think those are two things that everybody makes that they can get better at. Um, I don't know. Is that a good answer to that? I don't I know. It's yeah. Great, yeah, I think that's yeah, a great answer. It's just like everything. Like, But I think, you know, it's probably best to put that energy into something you're already going to eat. And, and, and I guess by that, I mean like, yeah, you can learn to make your own ravioli, but you're not doing that every day. And so it's like, I don't know that I would put my energy into that. I would put my energy into the things that I'm going to eat the most. Start there um, and then start to expand slowly. Right. And, and, and don't try to do everything at once. Like 
focus on something for a while before you kind of move on, right? Like yeah. do everything in like phases. Like I can be guilty of that too. I'm like, oh, now I'm going to make this kind of pasta and I'm over here. And like, and it all sort of is very mediocre, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm not really putting in the reps on one thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think that, yeah, starting simple, starting with what you enjoy. And, and again, there's so many, so much video content out there on YouTube. It, pick the thing you want to make and watch 10 different videos and 10 different approaches and yeah. find your attempt somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah. I like this aspect of that, and that's where I'm going to start. I like that a lot. We got a couple questions from the Discord before we let you go today. Jake Hefner asks, do you all uh, know any good cooking hacks? I think I think I would rephrase this to be, what is your favorite cooking hack that you would like to share with the audience? Favorite Or a good one. Hack. Yeah. Oh, the pasta a- water was a good one. Just pasta now. water was yeah. a good one. Pasta water is definitely a good one. Um, let's see. There's, um, well, I was talking about eggs before. Um, the idea that they did this in the bear after you scramble your eggs, you pass them through a strainer mm-hmm. and that helps break them up. So you get like a really smooth, uh, silky egg. I think that is a great one. Um, you taught me I, one yeah. about, um, salt because like usually when I, if I'm boiling water and then you'll just go like this with the salt and be done. And you were like, no, this, it should be as salty as the ocean. If you're going yeah. to if you're going to make boiled water with salt, it's supposed to be as salty as the ocean. I thought mm-hmm. it was just like sprinkle and yeah. then be done with it. Uh, I thought that was a good hack and it's, it makes things a lot more flavorful. Definitely. definitely. Um, I'd say this isn't a hack, but it's an advice. Like definitely have a digital probe thermometer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy to overcook food or undercook food yeah. and science is on your side. And the trick to taking the temperature of anything is not to just stick it in and look at that temperature, but you kind of want to pull back till you get the lowest temperature, meaning yeah. that you always want to take your temperature of where the food is the thickest. And if you stick a, a thermometer in and the point of the thermometer is close to the outside, it's going to read a very high temperature. You want to pull back till you get the lowest and yeah. take it out there. And that's very uh, important with something like fish where a matter of 10 to 15 degrees can make a huge difference. Um, one really cool hack or trick, something that I love to do, and it's very healthy, is uh, we get like skin on salmon, and this could be mm-hmm. frozen. Um, and you can season it, let it sit for a while, and any kind of seasoning, salt and pepper, or if a marinade, if, if you do marinate it, you wipe off the marinade of the skin, and you start that in a, in a cool pan, skin mm-hmm. side down, and crank up the heat, and you could get the skin super, super crispy. And then you kind of just flip it over and let it finish until it's just about 115 or 120 degrees. And off the heat, it will continue to cook through. And that crispy skin is like, again, it's like a super restaurant-y cool thing. And the salmon skin is extremely healthy. And Are you I saying know, on a stovetop, Adam? Or in the- yeah, you can do that in a, in a pan. In a, in a nonstick pan is easy, but... Usually, even in a well-seasoned pan, that'll work too. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the crispy skin. And then when you flip it over, don't put any sauce on that skin. Like, let it be crispy. And if you're using a sauce, put the sauce on the plate. And yeah. crispy salmon skin is just—it's something that I've only really discovered that I could do at home in the past few years, and it's yeah. really, really simple. That's awesome. Uh, a lot of great tips. Last question from Mike Joyce: What 
and this is to the class, what is your go-to meal? Go-to meal. Well, huh. Um, go-to meal. Well, said I've been doing a lot of pizza. Uh, mm -hmm. To Roxy's point, I think it's always great to 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 get a good stir-fried sauce together. Yeah. Um, and and I'll look at it. I'll make a good sauce with a combination of like oyster sauce and a little bit of chicken or vegetable stock and a little bit of cornstarch in there. And then you kind of whisk that together and that's your sauce. And then you kind of stir fry your vegetables together and whatever meat or anything you have in the house and you add that. And that is just always a very quick, great, satisfying way to feed a lot of people um, with rice or some other kind of grain. Um, because yeah, I, I don't like to waste any food in the house either. So vegetables that look like they're on their way out, you know, cut the brown off the edges, like mm -hmm. almost everything is savable. And if, oh, here's another hack. If vegetables are wilted and starting to brown, like take anything, throw it in a bag, throw it in the freezer. It's going to become part of a stock, right? Mm -hmm. Save all your bones. If you get chicken, even from the store, save those bones, put them in a bag, put them in the freezer. Yeah. When you get a chance, you make your own broth or stock or whatever. It doesn't need to follow a recipe. It's basically just water that is flavored by those things. Yeah. And it could be anything, and it will make any of those foods taste good. That having that fresh stock on hand will flavor any of your great little stir fries. But yeah, for me, it's like it's always some kind of eggs in the morning, some kind of stir fry vegetable, you know, with, with, with some kind of protein is always great. Um, if I'm not planning something like special, like I'm not like doing a, you know, a homemade pasta with a ragu or something like that, which yeah. takes a lot of planning and time and uh, in articulation. Yeah. Roxy, what about you? Go-to meal? Honestly, probably stir fry, but also I do a lot of quick bolognese. Like I'll do um, a basic onion, mushroom, carrots, garlic. I roast my own tomatoes. It doesn't take that long. And then I'll throw them in there too. And it, it's like a half an hour turkey, um, ground turkey or ground beef, depending on what. So it's like, if I, if I want something quick, I have a long bolognese that I make too, but mm -hmm. I can make a pretty quick one that I'm like, oh, that was good. That's a, yeah. that's got a lot of stuff. And, and, and to that point, it's like, you know, recipes are great to follow, but they're guidelines. I would say look at 10 recipes and come up with where you're going to start. Because once you understand the why of the cooking and the what, like what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Then you can apply that to anything, right? You don't have to go out shopping for a single herb, right? Yeah. You, you look, what do I have on hand that I can replace? Because you understand the concept of what's going on. And, and all recipes are very arbitrarily written and they're passed down and they're moved on and they evolve. There's very few of them that can't be um uh, improvised upon right yeah. almost almost nothing you know and that's kind of the point of my dinners with adam too it's like all right well we're making it different this before to rely on on technique and and things like that to to come up with something new yeah that reminds me of um um I, uh, my grandma was, was Greek and, uh, and she had these Greek cookies that she made and was the parts of the recipe were very much like, it has to be a wood spoon. Nothing. The spoon has to be wooden. And it's like, well, do, am I going to, is the family going to be cursed if I don't want, what, what, well, what does that mean? Baking is so different though. That I, I love baking, but it's so much less improvised. Like what Adam's talking about yeah. cooking. That's why I like cooking more because with baking, like if you do not follow 
what you need to do in order for it to work, it will rise. It doesn't like taste, it tastes like shithole, you know, Mm -hmm. there's just so much less room for like a pinch of this and extra this. Which is why I'm big into using scales, you know, just like with the thermometer, like with baking, everything should be about weight, you know, because measuring a cup of flour is so different, whether it's sifted or unsifted, or if you pack it in, you pack it, you don't, if for good recipe, should be everything should be done by weight and weight doesn't lie and there's a lot less variables with that yeah a lot of good tips for everybody for me a go-to meal if we take that as go-to meal is what i like to eat it's fucking pizza but if we're going to go-to meal is what i make more regularly probably breakfast burritos i usually i usually make enough to to last me like enough feeling to last me like three or four days uh uh usually probably probably turkey sausage green pepper onion really basic shit seasoning i like you know i keep it simple uh adam thank you so much for joining us giving us a lot of great insight and advice to people that might want to be getting into cooking uh remind everybody at home where they can find you and what they should be looking out for from you Okay, well, I did think of one other go-to recipe I had that I had to tell everyone. Please. This is a really great breakfast. It's kind of a hack. It's something that most people don't do. I use a pressure cooker for it. You don't have to. Steel-cut oats, right, which are very coarse oatmeal. And into that, you add your leftover vegetables or frozen vegetables. You add a little bouillon, what have you. And on top of that, you put some poached eggs. And that is like a savory um, oatmeal that you can have in the morning because the carbohydrates from oatmeal are long, slow burning carbohydrates, which will give you energy throughout the day. And typically we think of oatmeal as something that we add more sugar to. Yeah. So that's something I always like to tell people because people don't always think of that as steel cut oatmeal as a base. It's like thinking like a breakfast risotto. Um, it's a little out of the box, but like love it, love it. And it's extremely healthy and flavorful which is how I like to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you were saying, where can people find me? Yeah, is if they want more great at? tips like that, where can they find you? Okay, you can find me um, on Instagram, at Adam Gertler. Um, uh, my dinners with Adam on um, TikTok. I'm going to talk to Alex. We're going to be editing more and getting more of those out there, but leave comments. Let us know what you like to hear. Uh, I'm also on TikTok, but I'm not like putting out videos. But if you want to follow me and send me messages, I suppose I can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, at Eat Bestie on Instagram, new sandwich concept. We just um, had our first big premiere at Power Trip or Metallica, ACDC, uh, and Guns N' Roses played. Um, and we'll be around more. We're doing incredibly flavorful Italian-inspired sandwiches on handmade focaccia. I'm very excited about that. Uh, also, Doghouse. I am the verse mocker for Doghouse. Make all the sausages and hot dogs and promote that. All things in the form of a sausage. We've had a lot of fun with the Absolute Worst Sausage series this year, and we'll be continuing that. When is the surf and turf coming back? When Very do soon. I get. Very soon. Very soon. The best sausage I ever had in my entire life. I dream of it. Every time well, I see it. I was referring to a steak and lobster sausage uh, we made once for a, a BuzzFeed video and then gave it to her and had like actual ribeye steak and oh fresh lobster. You know, and, I mean, yeah, sure. That should be easy. We could sell that for, you know, $30. A it was 10 years ago. And I bring it up every conversation I have with Adam. <laughs> I know. I know. 
So good. It never gets annoying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Roxy, what about you? Where can the kids find uh, the stuff you're working on? Everywhere at Roxy Stryer. You can find me at DJ Talks Trash. You can follow the show everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers, but on Twitter slash X. You ain't got the vowels from stupid. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next.